Good morning, church. Great to see you. Welcome. Glad you're here today. This is the day the Lord has made. We're rejoicing and glad in it. Praise God. And if you're joining us online, welcome to you. We're so glad you've joined us today for worship. We are uh, concluding a series during this uh, Lenten season on the subject of moving forward. We're not going backwards. We're moving forward. Everyone say forward. We're going forward. The best is yet to come for all of our lives. And so it's right for us to continue to look and move forward. We've talked about a number of issues in the course of this series. And today I want to talk about finish, finishing well. And it's right if you start something to finish that something. And I hope it's encouraging to you. Uh, Our text this morning is found in the Old Testament book of Psalms, Psalm 92. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Uh, Of course, we'll project the words on the screen. We're going to read for us verses 12 to 14 in just a moment. Two things you can do. We are two weeks from Easter, two weeks from Easter Sunday, and spring is upon us. We're excited about that. And two things you can do. If you attend this service, 10 a.m. service, I want you to think about on Easter Sunday to attend either the 8.30 service or the 11.30 service. It'll just free up some elbow room. We anticipate, you know, an influx of people on Easter, of course. And in order to maintain the guidelines, keep our distance best we can, uh, it'll help free up some space that way. So if, if you're a regular and, and you can help us out with that, we'd appreciate it. So uh, consider the 8.30 or 11.30 service that morning in two weeks. The second thing is this. As you can imagine, through the pandemic and being on campus and not on campus, there's been so much uh, uncertainty about that. And so we have, we have been operating our children's programming and other uh, hospitality services and that sort of thing, first impressions, with a skeleton crew because volunteerism has been you know, a little off, you can understand. On Easter Sunday, we're going to need some help. So I need you to think about volunteering to work in our nursery and our children's area in 456 on Easter Sunday. I'm asking you to volunteer for one week. Now let me appeal especially to those of you who are older. Uh, Beth and I have already received our shots, and so it's, it's like we're uh, in pretty good shape now with the virus. We are both going to be working on Easter Sunday here at church. I'll be doing what I do, and Beth's going to be volunteering in the children's area. And so if you've been immunized and, and you're safe, then there's no reason why you couldn't volunteer. And again, just for one week, you can go on the app and sign up there, or there'll be people at the kiosk on either side of the front here as you're leaving today, if you'd like to sign up. And so we appreciate your help with that to make Easter a great success. So our text today, again, Psalm 92, I'm going to read for us verses 12 to 14. And our custom is to stand to hear God's word. So thank you for doing that as you're able. And the psalmist writes, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish, there's the word again, in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming, the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no wickedness in him. Now may God inspire and strengthen us today through his word. You may be seated. Thanks so much. Now, when it comes to serving the Lord, as we've been talking in the series, it's, it's great to have a strong vision, a wonderful dream for the future. It's 
important to pray godly prayers, to choose right goals and focus on the right things. We've talked about those issues. It's important to take godly risks, to live by faith and trust God for next steps in your life, to make huge investments, as we talked about last week, in God's word, in his work, and in his wealth. So we can do everything we've talked about so far in this series, but if we don't finish what we start, then it will be for naught. It's like building a house without putting a roof on it. Who does that? Nobody does that. So we want to put the roof on the house of our faith. One of my favorite books on leadership was written years ago by J. Robert Clinton, who's a professor at Fuller Theological Seminary. And the book is entitled The Making of a Leader. It's a fascinating premise where he studies 49 biblical characters where there's enough information in the Bible to actually uh, discern the strengths and weaknesses of these individuals. And what Dr. Clinton discovered is that of these 49 notable biblical characters, influencers, only 30% of them started well, ran well, and then finished well. Only 30%. Now, I don't know what that means to you, but that's pretty sobering, a sobering thought. These are the biblical models of influence, leadership, and only 30% of them hit the tape at the end. Here's what we, here's what we know. Uh, Individuals like Samson and Eli, they stumbled in the midlife. They got about halfway. They started well. Everybody starts well. And they ran well for a while, but then they fell off, fell off the road. Others such as Noah and David, Jehoshaphat, Hezekiah, they stumbled near the end of their life. They started well. Everybody starts well. And they ran pretty well, but didn't finish well got to the end and fell off the, off, the, off, the, off the way. But thank God for the 30%. These people like Joshua and Daniel and Peter and Paul who enjoyed walking with God and intimacy with God, faithfulness to their calling, starting well, everybody starts well. Everybody takes off in great shape. They ran well and then they finished well. They finished well. Look at this verse in Colossians chapter 4, verse 17. I'll put it on the screen for you. Tell Archippus, this is the Apostle Paul right in the church at Colossae. This is just an acquaintance of his in the church there. Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. You started it, now finish it. Complete it. Fulfill it. Our text today from Psalm 92 uses words like flourished. Love the word flourish. To stay fresh, to stay green to be bearing fruit, no matter where you are on the journey. If you're just starting out, fresh and green and flourishing. If you're running in the middle of your, of your race, fresh and green and flourishing. If you're near the end of your race, stay fresh, stay vital, stay flourishing, stay green. This is the admonition. Now, there are, there are principles at play. Dr. Clinton unpacked some of these in his book, his book The Making of a Leader, there are secrets to starting well, running well, and finishing well. In order to finish well, there are, there are, there are, there are these principles that, that can be employed that will help you along the way. I want to give you five of those today. Now, you may be a young person listening to the sound of my voice today and you say, well, this isn't really for me because I'm just getting started and along the way. 
Maybe you're middle-aged. You say, well, I'm just kind of midstream here. So finishing well isn't really pertinent to me. Listen to me. We don't know what we need. And the reason we don't know everything we need is because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know around what's around the next corner. We have to trust God with these things. And as it turns out then, God is always preparing us today for what we are going to encounter tomorrow. And so this is preparation. Today's always preparation for what he has for us in our tomorrows. And so this may not be exactly pertinent to you today, but if you'll file this away, I promise you one of these days, this will be very important for you to know. So I hope you'll tune in. Here's the first thing I want to say. Stay focused till you're finished. Stay focused till you're finished. Now, one of the great finishers in the Bible was Solomon. This was King David's son. King David, back in the day, a thousand years before Jesus, wanted to build a permanent temple in Jerusalem, a center of worship. David's heart was to build this thing, but God wouldn't allow him. And so it fell to David's son, Solomon. Now, when you study the life of Solomon, he had a bunch of ups and downs in his personal life. Uh, Solomon's not one of those guys that had a, a perfect journey. But in the, in the case of building this temple, he finished it. He stayed laser focused on this. And David encouraged him along the way. He said, be strong and of good courage. You can do it. Do not be afraid or dismayed for the Lord God, my God, will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you until you finish all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. And Solomon finished. And you have to admire that. Stayed focused. We, th we see Daniel who lived in captivity and under the, the rulership of King Belshazzar came under great political pressure, social pressure to compromise his faith and to and to discount his relationship with Almighty God. And Daniel was pressurized many, many times. You know, he ends up in the lion's den, that sort of thing. But God preserved him, and Daniel remains faithful. He, and he finished well. It, it's interesting to note that not one negative thing is said in the entire Bible about the person of Daniel. Isn't that remarkable? Amazing, amazing record. The Apostle Paul said in his final letter to Timothy, 2 Timothy 4, he said, I fought the good fight. I ran the race, I kept the faith. And so here's another guy who started, ran, and finished well. The Lord has a, assigned our tasks in advance. That's in Ephesians chapter 2. He planned all of our days, all of our life beforehand. I knew every one of your days before there was one of them, Psalm 139, and promised strength for all of our days. I'll be with you and strengthen you, Deuteronomy chapter 33. So here's the admonition. Stay focused. Keep your eyes on the goal. Don't quit. Keep taking godly risks. Invest in your life and run through the finish line, leaning forward. That's the goal. That's the idea. Years ago, I heard this story that came out of the Texas high school state track meet. And back in the day when they were running the mile, and there was a young man who qualified for the state finals. He had about the sixth best time in the state that year. So expectations weren't for him to win. But the race was conducted, and he was in the finals, and he started his kick on the last lap, and he had an amazing last lap. And he began to pass runner after runner that was in front of him until right at the tape, 
He was right near the lead runner, but didn't quite catch him. He was, his momentum was carrying him, going to carry him past the leader, but the, they hit the tape and he was second place. And everyone was just so happy for him because he had bested his time by several seconds. Uh, with the six bets going in, he ended up second place in the state and his parents were so proud and, and they were affirming him and celebrating with him at the end of the race, but he was despondent. He was disappointed. He was actually in tears. And his parents said, no, no, you, your son, you did f- fantastic. This is an amazing accomplishment. We're so proud of you. And he said, you don't understand. He looked at his dad and he said, I could have won. His dad said, no, son, you, you finished second. That's, it's, it's just a great thing. And he said, no, dad, you don't understand. And this is what the boy said. He said, I finished, he said, I finished second, but he said, I should have won. And he said, I know it because I started my kick too late. And he said, the reason I know that is because at the finish line, I still had something left. Now, if you'll think about that statement, it will inspire you. So stay stay focused till you're finished. Here's number two. Stay resilient about retirement. Too many people don't plan ahead for retirement in terms of their personal ministry. Now, follow me. Think about this. People think about their travel plans. They think about their savings accounts. They they think about certain hobbies that they want to engage, but they don't think ahead about the opportunities to serve the Lord after they retire from their vocational work. Even those who are financially prepared for retirement may not be spiritually prepared for retirement. Uh, By the way, the whole concept of retirement is a foreign concept to most of the cultures of the world. In fact, retirement as a, as a practice concept has only been around a little over 100 years in the Western cultures. And so what we kind of have taken for granted and just assume that all of us are going to experience it someday and, and we're going to practice it like everyone has uh, is, really, is really an outside concept. Recently, Beth, Beth met an acquaintance uh, of ours, and she was chatting with him and discovered he's about our same age, and he, she discovered that he had retired at age 62, you know, the earliest time that you can retire officially, legally here in the country. And so in that conversation, he said something like this. He said, after my retirement, I finally found what I do best in life. And he said, it's absolutely nothing. We kind of hope he was half joking. Harry Bolback is still active in his mid-90s. For the last 20 years or so, people have asked him if he's retired, and he has a standard reply to them with the question. He says, yes, I retire every night to go to bed so that I can get up the next morning to find out what God has for me to do. A wife said to her retired husband, what are you planning to do today? He replied, nothing. And she responded, but that's what you did yesterday. He said, I know, but I'm not finished yet. Someone said that a husband's retirement can become a wife's full-time job. Please don't elbow him here right in the room. 
you can take advantage and should of Social Security income or pension benefits, and there may be times of adjustment, of course, or recalibration. Life doesn't remain the same. Our responsibilities shift, move with the circumstances. All that's true. But the older we get, shouldn't it be true? The more grace, the more wisdom, the more maturity, the more love and joy and peace and the fruit of the Spirit has time to cultivate in our lives. The longer we walk with Christ, shouldn't the sweeter our relationship with him be? Our most productive years then could and should be our latter ones. So even if our circumstances change vocationally, it's simply God's way of freeing us up for further service. Stay resilient about retirement. Here's the third thing. Stay connected to your calling. Stay connected to it. Look at Romans eleven twenty nine. 29. I want to put this on the screen. It says the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Did you know that was in the Bible? The, king, the old King James says the gifts and calling of God are given without repentance. In other words, God doesn't change his mind about how he wants to use you. Here's what I've learned, that God tends to use all of us in similar ways throughout the course of our lives. So God will tend, because of the way he's gifted you and, and naturally given you talent and capacity, God will tend to use us in similar ways when we're 80 years old as he did when we were 20 years old. It's an important concept. Now, we can retire then from our jobs, but we can't retire from our calling. And everyone has one. See, to finish well, we should consider maintaining a connection between what we did before we retired and what we do after we retire. Your career is what you are paid to do. Your calling is what you were made to do. Important. So our spiritual gifts don't change when we reach age 65. Our talents don't change. Our abilities don't change. Our relationships don't necessarily change. Our employment might adjust itself and perhaps our location, you know, many people move to a warmer climate or to be closer to their families, that sort of thing. But despite certain changes that occur, our core God-given purposes are the same and even stronger. Our greatest days of usefulness should always be perceived as those days ahead of us, not behind us. Years ago, we were sitting at the Christmas dinner table with Beth's family, this was before our boys were married, and they were at the table. And so Beth's dad, who was in his 80s at the time, sitting at the head of the table, he's the patriarch. Uh, by the way, Beth's dad is still living. He's 95 years old. And Beth, about a month ago, he called, called her dad and said, Dad, have you gotten your, your shots, your vaccination? He said, well, no, not yet. He said, that's for old people who are vulnerable. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Finally got his shots. When he was in his 80s, he was still doing meals on wheels every day, you know, and, and going to the nursing home and helping the old people. So he's, his worldview is a little different. So we were sitting at the Christmas dinner table, and he's standing, sitting at the head of it, and he was kind of phil philosophizing about life and so forth, and we were all eating and listening. And, and then he, he came to the climax of his conversation, and he turned and he looked right at me. Now, he was talking to everyone in general, but he was looking right at me when he said this simple little line. He said, you know, in life, put up his finger, in life, he's looking right at me, in life, you have to have purpose. My father-in-law has no idea what I do. He, he doesn't know 
me very well professionally, and so that's okay. And the boys heard my father-in-law suggesting that I should get purpose in life, and they thought it was hilarious. And so they, <laughs> they started laughing. And best dad has said it to me more than once. Now, you know, in life, you have to have purpose. And I always say, that is so right. Thank you for sharing that with me. At the end of Jesus' life, <laughs> you know, family, near the end of Jesus' life on the earth, this is what he said, John 17, 4. He said, I have glorified God on the earth, and I have finished the work which you have given me to do. Jesus said, I finished the work you gave me. Now, when you hear Jesus say it, you go, well, yeah, Jesus, that's what Jesus does. But wouldn't it be great if every single last one of us could come to the end of our life and be able to, to say with great conviction, I finished the work God gave me to do. How strong is that? That should be everyone's goal. We should all want to finish and finish well. Again, the Apostle Paul said, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I kept the faith. Man, that's it. That's where you want to go. So stay connected to your calling. Here's number four. Stay vigilant after your victories. Now, this is a, a little counterintuitive. This, this wouldn't be believable, but we are most vulnerable to failure in life after we have achieved our greatest success. That's when we're most vulnerable. Did you know, for example, that most mountain climbers are injured or killed on the way down, not the way up? Did you know that? It's true. What's going on there? Well, another example is World War II Air Force psychologists discovered that pilots made the most errors as they were flying their planes back, back to base after a successful mission. They wrote, and I quote, the cause was an almost irresistible tendency to relax. Hear the wisdom of God. King David, you may recall, had trouble with a woman named Bathsheba. He had achieved great success in his life. He had lived long, and now his enemies had all been thwarted. There was peace in the land of Israel. In 2 Samuel 11, it said it happened in the spring of the year at the time when kings go out to battle. Springtime is time to go out and lead the army against your enemies. That David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, but David remained in Jerusalem. Uh-oh. What is wrong with this picture? He's not where he's supposed to be. So David decided to stay home and relax. You know, let others take their turn. I've taken my turn. I've, you know, I've, I've been engaged. I've fought my battles. I've led the army. Now let somebody else do it. I'm, I'm retirement age. And so I'm just going to sit back and, and I'm going to let someone else volunteer for the children's ministry and serving as a first impressionist, as an usher or a greeter, or volunteering with youth, or four, five, six, or young adults, or mentoring young married couples. See, David wasn't where he should have been, nor doing the things he should have been doing. Here's a summary of David's life, 1 Kings 15. 
It says, David did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He had not turned aside from anything that he commanded him all the days of his life. Now, that's pretty a, a solid uh, endorsement. His heart was good. He did the right things in the sight of God. And then the, here's the last phrase, except in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. Uriah the Hittite happened to be the husband of the woman Bathsheba, whom David got in an adulterous relationship with when he should have been out with his troops. He's at home relaxing in retirement, and he sees this woman has a, an adulterous relationship. They, they get pregnant, and, and in order to cover up the, the shamefulness of that, he has Bathsheba's husband, Uriah the Hittite, killed in battle. So the Bible says David did okay except for that adultery, conspiracy, and murder part. where he wasn't where he should have been not doing the things he should have been doing. Stay vigilant about your victories. The prophet Elijah had a similar experience. He, I mean, he's, he's on Mount Carmel, calls down fire in conflict with the prophets of Baal. Once and for all, let's settle who the God in Israel is. Are the, are the Baals the gods that we should serve or is almighty God Yahweh the God we should serve? And Elijah personally witnessed the terrible might and power of the Lord. I mean, he prayed and God sent fire, consumed this altar. It's unbelievable. Then one woman, Queen Jezebel, threatened to have him killed and Elijah runs for his life. Dude, where are you going? Why are you running? Then he was afraid, 1 Kings 19, he arose and ran for his life, and he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life. They're going to kill me, Lord. Help me. Just kill me. Get, put me out of my misery. Dude, yesterday you called down fire. Listen, the devil can and often does wreck a person's life during their latter years. Listen to me. He wants us, the devil wants us to become lazy and complacent and cranky and opinionated and self-obsessed. He wants us to become concerned, overly concerned about old age issues and become paranoid about that. He wants us to gaze back, spend most of our time looking back to the good old days, becoming critical, cynical. Listen, if you're in one of those circles, you know, you end up with a, with a bunch of crotchety, crotchety old geezers drinking coffee somewhere and complaining about your aches and pains and the government, and that's how you spend your time, watching cable news, getting all worked up, you need to stop that. You sitting a little, around a little sewing club talking about your bursitis. how sad the culture is and how worried you are about these young people. You need to shake yourself loose. You don't have a God-given right to become cynical and sour. Now that you're not in your vocational work anymore, you have more time to pray and more time for the Scripture, more time to develop the spiritual gifts that God still has resonant in your life and opening doors of opportunity for you to serve and volunteer 
pastor just got up a while ago and said, we need someone to help us pull off Easter Sunday this year. Need people to volunteer. Maybe those of you who've already been vaccinated would be the best ones to do it. Get in the game. You're not dead, so you're not done. The best is yet to come. Some of the issues and concerns are certainly real. I get it. But the older we grow, the stronger we should be in our spiritual joy and in our spiritual work. That's the way it should be. You want to start well, everybody starts well. You want to run well, and then you want to finish well. You want to finish well. Here's the last point. Stay ready for redeployment. The key to finishing well, listen, the key to finishing well is not to finish at all. The key to finishing well is is don't finish at all. We should always be looking forward to what the Lord has for us next. Listen to this. At 90 years old, master cellist Pablo Casals was asked why he kept practicing eight hours a day. He replied, I think I'm improving. Like that. Pearl Buck, famous writer, daughter of missionaries to China, said, and I quote, I have reached an honorable position in life because I am old and no longer young. I am far more useful person than I was 50 years ago or 40 years ago or 30, 20, or even 10. I have learned so much since I was 70. Like that. In our study, During this series, we considered the life of Caleb, who at 85 years old conquered the giants in the hill country of Hebron. The Apostle Paul was over 60 when he made the arduous, grueling voyage to Rome, where he preached and he wrote and he taught until they executed him. He had no intention of slowing down, much less retiring to rest on his laurels. Run to the run to the finish. We read about Abraham, who's 100, his wife Sarah, 90, when they gave birth. To Isaac, the son of promise, best years of their life were the last years of their life. Zacharias and Elizabeth in Luke chapter 1, these were the parents of John the Baptist. Through disappointment and disability, they still served the Lord faithfully and looked forward. There was Simeon and Anna. Remember these two saints of God who spent their days in the, in the temple waiting for the birth of Messiah. They both sensed that they would be alive to see Messiah come to the earth. And the day that they brought Jesus for circumcision when he was days old into the temple, Simeon, this this sage, this saint, he said, my eyes have now seen the Lord's Christ. And Anna, this prophetess, prophesied over Jesus when he was eight days old and said, he's going to be the key to the redemption of the world. Amazing. We read about Joshua. Look at this verse in Joshua 13.1. It says, now Joshua was old, advanced in years, and the Lord said to him, dude, you're old. (laughs) Listen, when God tells you you're old, you're old. Almighty God said, hey, Joshua, dude, you're old as dirt. But what what did he say to him? You old guy, there remains very much land yet to be possessed. You're not done. You may be old, but you're not done. That's encouraging, isn't it? Think of Moses and Caleb and Noah, all of them accomplishing so much in their older years. So don't give up. Don't deprive yourself of the blessings that God wants to bestow on you in the later years. 
Back to Psalm 92, our text. Look at the words again. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish. Love that word. In the courts of our God, they shall bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh, flourishing. Look at Isaiah 46, 4. Even to your old age, I am he. And even to gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made and I will bear, even I will carry and I will deliver you. So be encouraged. Last story, let me tell you about my good friend Chuck Rapp. We met in college. We're in each other's weddings, have been friends all these years. Chuck and his wife Pam have lived in Indianapolis. He worked for Eli Lilly as an engineer there and then took retirement. Turned 65 and retired. In the meantime, he had been, he had been volunteering his time with one mission society, OMS, based in Greenwood, Indiana, and used to be Oriental Mission, mission Society, if you're familiar. And so OMS has ministries and missionaries, fields of mission all over the world, and including Africa. And Chuck would volunteer his time, and he would frequently travel to Africa, even before his retirement, and inter- interact in leadership training and, and uh prepping for the African leaders for more effective church planting and so forth, evangelism. And so after his retirement, because of his investment before his retirement, OMS, One Mission Society, said to Chuck, hey, Chuck, would you like to come on our staff? And he prayed about that, and he said yes. So today, Chuck is the Africa Regional Director for One Mission Society. See, Chuck Rapp was ready to be redeployed. Here's my question. Are you? Are you? Let's pray. Lord, I pray for us today, young and old alike. I pray that you would remind the younger within the sound of my voice that the patterns and priorities we develop now will grow and deepen as days and years pass. So keep us alert, fresh, passionate in our service. And then remind all of us older that our meaningful labor for you has no end. Not now, not then, not ever. So may we all bear fruit, fresh, green, and flourishing all the way to the finish line. Lord, hear our prayer in Jesus' name. And the people said, amen. Would you stand with us?